Today is Wednesday, September 20th. Today is my wife Savannah's birthday. So if you're listening to this devotional, be sure to send her a happy birthday. Babe, if you're listening to this, happy birthday, hon. The title for our devotional is Alternative Number One, Hedonism. Sorry, the topic isn't very conducive to your birthday. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Remember, this week we're exploring God's response to our failure to uphold the moral law. Uh, hedonism is this philosophical ethical theory that argues that pleasure is the most important or the chief good. It posits that pleasure and pain are the only motivators of human action and that people should always seek pleasure and avoid pain. Ethical hedonism holds that pleasure is not only the chief motivator of human action, but also the ultimate goal and standard of moral value. Okay, this, this idea is obviously present in a lot of media and pop culture today. If it feels good, do it. Um, it's just an expression of your true self. The idea is that moral laws are just limitations on your free self gratification, so they need to be done away with. As humans, we all intrinsically know that we've already broken the law a bunch of times. So in this perspective, because we've already broken the law, let's go hog wild. Why not, right? This approach, sadly, often leads to increased feelings of guilt, shame, addiction, and isolation. Even in the Christian world, we fall prey to hedonistic thinking all the time, even if we haven't adopted the whole philosophy. Who hasn't started a diet only to slip up one day? When we're doing well, we recognize the failure and then get right back on track the next day. But occasionally, one slip up is all it takes for the train to totally come off the rails before we know. And before we know it, we've gone an entire month binge eating ice cream and cake. Of course, this is a rather innocuous example. We do this with more consequential sins as well, like sex or ambition or substances. Jesus tells us the story of a little hedonist long before the term existed. In fact, we will derive both of our alternative approaches from this parable in Luke chapter 15, known as the parable of the prodigal son. First, let's look at the younger son. Luke 15, 11 to 24. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. In Jesus' immediate context, he is using this character of the younger son to describe the Gentiles who had been living in a rather hedonistic lifestyle. This younger son in the story, his pursuit of pleasure costs him everything he had and eventually he hits rock bottom, feeding pigs and desiring to eat even their food, which... <laughs> 
Ever seen pig slop? Yuck. And double yuck for a Jew who um, saw pigs as unclean. Notice the transitional word in verse 17 is the same as in Ephesians 2.4, but this younger son who has been living a hedonistic lifestyle comes to see the abundance in the father's house and his own lack. The father responds to his return with compassion, running, which respectable men in his culture didn't run because one risked exposing oneself. He embraces him and he kisses him. The son repents. The father welcomes him into the family, giving him an inheritance and rich blessing. Again, the same themes in Ephesians 1 and 2. Notice the verbiage Jesus uses at the end of this story. He was dead and is now alive, was lost and is now found. So instead of running wild in pursuit of pleasure and avoidance of pain, uh, this son has found love, mercy, status, and provision in the father's house. I love how John Piper has flipped the popular Christian approach to hedonism on its head. Christians historically have viewed our passions and desires as a problem and subsequently uh, attempt to squash them (laughs) until we are joyless curmudgeons. He argues for what he calls Christian hedonism. This is a return to the truth that true pleasure is found not in pursuit of satisfying our own desires and our our own passions and physical wants. His famous line is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He points to C.S. Lewis's influence, who says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. This is what makes the gospel so irresistible. Instead of pursuing pleasure in the self and in our appetites, we find true, endless pleasure in communion with God. This joy begins with the realization of our salvation. Our sin has been removed from us by God's grace in Jesus, and Christ's righteousness has been given to us. This is cause for joy, thanksgiving, and the pursuit of true satisfaction in our Creator. For additional content, I've linked you to the article that I referenced called What is Christian Hedonism by John Piper. Reflection, I invite you to just how, reflect on how the way of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers, is better than a pursuit of pleasure apart from God. If you're like me, you've been there. You've tried pursuing pleasure apart from God, and you found it to be empty. It leaves you wallowing in pig slop, to use Jesus' reference, and wanting only more pig slop. But in God and in his salvation, there is fullness of joy. There is genuine acceptance and genuine satisfaction.